well, well. Welcome back to another episode of the Fearless Training Raw Knowledge Podcast with myself, your host, Alex Connor, training, nutrition, lifestyle, the works. And of course, I'm back with another knowledgeable guest ready to share some wisdom. And I'm in conversation this week with Kyle Trainer who is the owner and founder of Elite Vitality. And this one is a little bit different, and not in the fact that it's out of theme, but we're coming at it from a different angle. So a lot of the practitioners that I speak to are usually trying to help you achieve something from a, I guess, filling the bucket perspective, where, to use an analogy, Kyle is trying to do it from the opposite. So we talk a lot about the defensive versus offensive mindset and how those two interact because to play a good offense, you need to have a good defense. And a lot of industry professionals do not have the tools, the ability to be able to build a successful business because they don't have the basics and the foundations. So we get on to talking about Steel in the Walls, which is one of his most popular programs, and how him and his team teach people how to implement positive and sustainable business acumen for unrelenting success. And again, I'm going to let Kyle tell you more about that in just a moment and of course I put all the links in the show notes if that one is tantalizing your curiosity I highly 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 recommend that you check it out especially if you're a new trainer and you're someone who is not quite business savvy you definitely want to get these foundations in place now if you want to grow and you want to remain growing and not falling especially with everything that's happened in COVID it has been a a great opportunity uh, to a lot for a lot of people to rebuild but also to identify weaknesses and unfortunately for a lot of people uh, they have been caught with their pants well and truly down and they have not been able to survive so again we want to be able to weather the storm <laughs> in all circumstances this is the one for you guys a bit of housekeeping as always thank you for your support I will ask once again for those of you who have not done so yet, for those of you who have, thank you. Leave a rating and a review on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. Make sure to subscribe for regular videos and, of course, podcasts. And if you want more in-depth education and information, then you will find it on the Fearless Training Academy. That's fearlesstrainingunited.com. It is the Netflix of fitness, and yes, we are just getting started. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation this week with Kyle Trainer. Kyle, welcome to the Fearless Training Raw Knowledge Podcast, my friend. Thanks for joining me this morning. How's things at your end? Give us a, uh, a bit of a rundown where you are. What's the morning been like? I know we've talked about it off air, but let's build a picture for the audience. I mean, uh, thanks for having me, first of all, mate. Um, I'm, I'm here in Melbourne, so I'm in a stage four lockdown at the moment, um, feeling the full force of, of COVID. But um, the morning's been good, man. Like, I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty repetitive at the moment. Um, being in lockdown, we're allowed out of the house for, 
I think, um, an hour a day, which is for exercise. And then the rest of it is staying in the house, um, doing what we're told, which is, you know, it is what it is. So I think we're about halfway through. So yeah, I went for a run this morning, um, woke up, did some meditation, just, you know, the, the normal morning routine and grabbed a little coffee. And, and now I'm, I'm here with you, brother. So life's good. Right, that's it. It's the simple pleasures. And it, it does make you really appreciate just getting out and about. Fortunately, you know, here in Queensland, we've, we've not had it that bad. I know friends overseas have, have had the... Not the bad, mate. You've been, you guys are, you are off scot-free at the moment. Nah, it's good though. I mean, as I said, it's um, it, obviously um, it's going to be dynamic for a very long time for, for everybody. You know, it's going to be very touch and go um, for all states, all countries. So, um, but I mean, I'm, I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy that you, you guys get to kind of do what you do and you, you've got the freedom there at the moment. Yeah, this is true. It's, it's a double edged sword. Cause I think a lot of the world is looking at us with, you know, closed fists, waving them around going, ah, you know, as we frolic around in the, what they would call winter sunlight. And I'll start rubbing it in now, but yeah, <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it is, it's an, in, it's an interesting dynamic. That's for sure. But yeah, we've got to do our due diligence because obviously with the way things are going, if, if people are, are a bit too laxy daisy, um, we might, we might find that we are, you know, staring a gift horse in the mouth and, and not taking advantage of it. But uh, for those who are unaware and thanks for the for bit, of, bit of a, a rundown at the start there, Kyle, Tell us who you are, what you do, and more importantly, why you do it. Cool. So um, a little bit about my past then is that uh, I, I guess, came into the fitness industry as a personal trainer um, about eight years ago now. So, um, and, and from the very beginning, I started a, my own business and, and without it probably even knowing so, you know, initially I came into the industry working out of a big box gym and... Um, the reason I entered the industry is because I was actually previously studying at university and I studied marketing and to be honest, I hated it. Um, and the only thing I could really think about that I would actually enjoy doing was fitness at the time. You know, I played a lot of sport. I was in the gym, you know, from a young age, um, I had a lot of injuries playing sports. So that means that I, you know, spent a lot of time on the sidelines. And when you do that, especially if you love fitness, you, you, you kind of find any way that you can. So, you know, that found me in the gym a lot of the time and, um, that was the only place that I, I really enjoyed being um, most of the time as well. So um, it made sense. I went and studied exercise science at university as well as getting my um, my PT certificate. And, um, and it's interesting, right? Like I often say this a lot, but for some reason I love learning, but as soon as somebody tells me what I have to learn, I, I you know, it goes out the window. I, for some reason I didn't like to be told what to do. I didn't enjoy university. I didn't enjoy learning about subjects that I didn't want to learn about. Um, and that's really, I guess that's really how I've lived my life ever since, you know. So uh, obviously I entered the PT industry um, and, and worked out of a big box gym, building a business there for quite a while. And after having some success, I ended up building a bit of a team underneath me. And then uh, from there, uh, same old thing, right? Like I started to really enjoy the business side of things and, and really um, – you know, that intrigued me. Um, and it also, you know, there was a big part of that that was the, I guess, the psychological side of that as well. And, and you know, reaching my potential and, and helping others reach theirs. I really fell in love with the psychological side of things, the neuroscience behind um, somebody, you know, achieving something. And that really made me dive deep into that. And there was a few people in my life at the time that were in the, I guess, 
you're doing quite well in that field and, and, you know, um, across the board, not just in the fitness industry. So it was naturally something that from being around people that I looked up to and, and kind of diving into those types of things that it really took me from falling in love with fitness to really falling in love with helping others reach their potential. Um, and you know, when, when, obviously when I started to build a team that really did change from, helping clients directly to more helping the people that were in my team so that they could then go and do and fulfill the, the, the job, I guess that, you know, our company was trying to do. Um, so that really led me to, um, working with, you know, people within my team and, and, you know, managing the business side of it to, to, um, like, like I said, to obviously allow our company to, to make the impact that it wanted to make. And, and I really fell in love with that. Like, if I'm honest, you know, really running the business in the back end, but then working with uh, trainers um, initially, um, almost in running their own business, but they were a part of our company. So it's kind of like, you know, what we did is we worked with people on an individual level to deliver a really great service, but also manage their own life and, and help them reach their potential in their career. And as I said, and at the very start, it was something for me that, you know, I never really did well getting told what to do. Like I just, and, and, you know, um, a big part of that was wanting to learn what I wanted to learn. And, and, you know, I really fell in love with the dynamics and how integrated business and psychology are, or, or just achievement in general. So that's when I really started to chase that. And that's kind of led me to where I am now, I guess, where, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky and humbled to be in a position where I can help, um, I guess, business owners across the board. You know, we work with, therapists, clinicians, gym owners, PTs. I work, with, I work with people in other industries as well, some CEOs in the financial sector um, and really just help them um, on an individual level um, but really uh, educating them on some on the, the strategies, I guess, that underpin a successful business and then working with them on the personal side as well, helping them work through um, their own psychological battles. I'm no, by, by no means a psychologist, but you know, um, it's, it's really just having conversations with people and, and listening. And, and I think being a good listener obviously plays into that. So that's, that's kind of what I do now where we run a consulting company and an education uh, company all pretty much combined into one and, and deliver both education and consulting to help people uh, reach their potential as business owners. Um, so as I said, it's, it's been a bit of an interesting journey and, and without going into too much detail about it, um, I, I guess the thing for me was, you know, always just following my passion, always following what, what I wanted to do rather than trying to, to make it in something that I probably wasn't so passionate about and, and not fearing um, that I had to stay within one industry or I had to do one thing that, that, the way that everybody else was doing it. I'm, I guess I'm, you know, maybe the rebellion in me says that I can, you know, I've always thought that I could do what I wanted. And, and as long as I put my all into it, that I would have some somewhat, um, you know, um, saw some, some level of success. So I guess that's kind of led me to where I am now. Yeah. No, and thank you for the description. That's really good. And there's quite a few avenues I want to take that, but before I do, because see that mindset that you've got, that is generally not something that most people arrive at straight away it's something that they have to go through experiences it might be lessons learned mistakes adversities etc what i want to know is and there might there may be there may not be was there a scenario was there people a person something that was the protagonist that gave you that mindset where and as you said 
so well where you don't have this fear of going after something you're passionate about, but also realizing that you can change and you can do something that excites you, which is obviously one of the main elixirs for success. And most people who end up doing something that they enjoy, that they achieve, you know, a high level of, you know, success with, they have figured this out in some way, shape or form, however you want to dress it up where you've got this, and I talk about it all the time, my viewers will know, the amalgamation between, you know, what you're passionate about or what excites you versus what skill sets you have as well, naturally, that you're gifted at. Is there a time, Is there, are there people in your life that are responsible, do you think, for having this mindset? Or is this something that you've just stumbled across yourself at a younger age based on what you were kind of already going to do or following, you know, a, a metaphorical North Star, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a few things there. And, and I mean, uh, I don't know. And what I mean a few things is that there's probably two main points in my life or two. There's one that's not really a point. But the first one is is sport. Um, naturally, growing up, I played AFL football uh, as a kid. And, and going through that, you know, I, and this goes back to when I was such a young kid, you know, from about seven years of age to about 13 I was the quiet kid. I played backline, so that was defense. Um, and I was, you know, I was never really out of my shell too much. And then all of a sudden, um, and this is funny, like, I mean, I'm going into detail here, but there was a game where I got moved to for the forward line and I ended up kicking a, a large amount of goals. And from that day forward, you know, I ended up becoming um, one of the better players um, and playing, you know, rep football and, and doing all this stuff. But naturally... I actually, I actually really love the team side of things, and and I really, I really kind of molded into a leader for the teams that I did play in, um, and I think that gives you the confidence, you know, like naturally when you when you fall in when you play sport and you become quite good at it, and and especially when you become a leader, you know, you can kind of and and even at such a young age, you you kind of do you have to be creative around this kind of stuff and you have to really lead from the front, you know, like, um, and I would say that that gave me the mindset that, you know, all right, I always wanted to lead from the front and the ability to lead from the front is kind of to be courageous and, and to, to put yourselves in, in vulnerable positions, no matter what. And I guess from a young age, I learned that, you know, you, to get the best out of yourself, you have to be able to, to, to put yourself in these vulnerable positions, you know, to be a good player, you have to do things that not many other people are going to, you know, they're going to do. And you've got to be willing to take risks that other people may not be able to take. Um, and you've got to be able to talk in front of people and you've got to be able to communicate and, and, and draw people together. And, um, you know, that's probably played a big role. And, and, and that's honestly the way I think is that even to this day, my ability to, to lead um, groups of people, I think comes from, just putting myself in that position from such a young age, you know, I was, I was, I really loved being a leader of the football teams that I played in. Um, so I think that, you know, as I said, that that's probably helped me along the way. And I think it plays a, a lot into what I do now. Um, and, and again, I, I was doing that at a young age. This was like 16, 17, 18. Um, and, and, you know, even beyond that as well. Um, and, you know, when you're a leader, you demand certain standards of yourself and the people around you as well. And, and that's really, you know, that, that's how you build a team and that's how you build success. And I think as a company, the one thing that, you know, growing a team is, is extremely hard and especially in business. 
you know, in our industry, a lot of people work on their own. You know, a lot of people, we come into the industry, we work as sole traders, we start off as PTs, therapists, clinicians, you know, and then to, to actually grow that team is, is, is one of those things, right? It's like, it's scary to then, you know, because everybody knows themselves really well. You know, you've lived, you know, you've lived with yourself for your whole life. You know your mannerisms, you know all of this stuff, you can trust yourself. But then the ability to lead a team is something that's extremely scary for a lot of people because they then have to manage their money a little bit better. They then have to start allocating capital to that side of the fence. Um, they then have to lead somebody else. They have to figure out ways because everybody's different in dynamics. So I have to get the best out of someone else and not just myself now, which, you know, that's something completely new. So I think that, you know, has allowed me to, I guess, have that mindset where I'm like, okay, I'm, I've done this before. Like I'm, and you know, I, I know that if I put myself in vulnerable positions, that's when I get the best out of myself. So I have no, um, and, and that's been from a young age. So I have no, um, you know, there's, there's nothing really that I'm scared of when it comes to business. There's nothing really that I wouldn't put myself in because I've seen myself um, get out of uh, and, and really progress when I put myself in those vulnerable positions. And I think a lot of people can do more than what they say they can or what they think they can, right? Like uh, people just don't put themselves in the positions to do those things. Um, so I guess that's probably the initial thing that I guess has helped me along the way. And I guess that's probably a message that I, I try to send to a lot of people is that if you just put yourself in a position where you have to get something done, you know, put yourself in a, a vulnerable position where you're willing to take risks, that's when you can really start to reach your potential as an individual. And the second part is, um, I guess, finding spirituality, man. Like I can honestly say that, you know, um, spending more time with myself and, and really going down a spiritual path has allowed me um, to reach the heights that I have, no doubt. And that's been, uh, that's stemmed from, you know, my stepfather is a pretty high level individual, um, ex-military, was head of the English riot team for many years, like, you know, um, uh, special ops, like all this kind of stuff. But, you know, he was also someone who's very spiritual um, and not in the, not in the God manner, not in any of that. And, and it's, and not that I'm against that or anything like that, but it's more just, you know, spending time with yourself and, and understanding um, different cultures and, and, you know, really, I guess, living an examined life, if that makes sense. And, you know, although that's not the answer that a lot of people tend to hear or, or, or think that that's what's going to come out of, you know, maybe my mouth or, or other people's mouths, I think, you know, learning from my stepfather, Kevin, and spending a lot of time with him over, I guess, since probably the age of, you know, 19 and 20, um, he led by example for me. Um, and, and obviously he's comes with a lot of experience and wisdom, but he also showed me, um, and, and kind of ex, uh, exposed me to things such as meditation to things such as you know, I went on a silent retreat, which was, you know, one of the, uh, probably one of the best experiences of my life, you know, seven days in silence, um, no phone, no, no TV screens, nothing like that. So you learn a lot about yourself in these times and, and, you know, you go deeper than, you know, then you're probably allowed to in, in the every, in everyday life. So um, I would say that, you know, spirituality has helped with my mindset around this. And that shows me that, you know, if I keep putting myself in these vulnerable situations, that's when I get the best out of myself. And I, as I said, it's, it's allowed me to not only 
um, continuously put myself in positions where I have to grow, but also showed me that, you know, um, the voice inside your head can eventually, um, you know, it can be overcome and you don't have to listen to your thoughts all the time. And, and honestly, I think mindfulness is one of the greatest tools in the world. Um, and when you can learn to harness your mind, um, in a, on a greater level, you can achieve great things. And so I'd probably say that, you know, there was a conversation that was had with my stepfather, Kevin, I was a bit of a party boy, you know, from 18 to 21, um, went out a lot, spent most of my time drinking, partying, uh, doing drugs, these kind of things. And, um, you know, I was still, I still love my fitness and, and it was, you know, I, I mean, when I say doing drugs, it wasn't anything crazy, man. Like I wasn't, it was nothing like that. It was, uh, you know, there was a little bit here or there, but you know, I had to turn my life around man. and, um, that's, that's what the, the conversation had. And, and as I said, there was never a doubt in my mind that I could be great or I could achieve great things. I just, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing the right things. And it was, uh, you know, it was these things, um, the conversation with Kevin that allowed me to, you know, um, I guess, make that change and understand my mind on a greater level, man. And, and it was probably those two things that have allowed me to really harness my mind over the, probably the last five years and, and really start to achieve what I have. And, um, you know, man, like I still think that there's plenty more in the tank when it comes to myself. So um, I guess, you know, I, I just have this mindset that, you know, I know that deep down I can achieve what I want to achieve if I just put myself in the positions to achieve them. Absolutely. There's a lot of good takeaways there for people listening. There's a lot that you can read between the lines. There's a lot to unpack I just want to say something, right? So go for it. You know, naturally, what the the things I just talked about then, right, is I I, I gave people an insight into my past, and I think a lot of people struggle to do that. And and you know that's what I think living an exam as an examined life is is that I have no, you know, there's people that are going to listen to this and be like, oh, he just said he did drugs, he just said he did this, and and the reality is, man, is that. You know, I'm not ashamed of my past. Um, you know, my past is my past, and and I want people to know that you know that 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 was that was a part of my past because um, I think a lot of people get caught up in in living in there and and bringing their past into the present, and they dwell on what the mistakes that they've made you know um, so much, right? And I think that's what actually holds people back from taking these steps forwards that they need to do is that mindfulness has allowed me to break that spell. It's allowed me to you know be actually proud of the of where I've come to, you know. And the way I've changed my life um, over the last five years, and you know, that's something that I think is is really important for people to understand is that, you know, I'll, I'll talk about this stuff because the reality is is that um, you don't have to allow your past to dictate your future and and how you live your life in the present moment. And you know, when you can actually break that spell and and you know release the shackles, that's when you can really start to move forward and achieve great things. Mate, and it's real, it's raw, and that's how it should be. I mean, you, you've you've really touched upon a salient point and something that I, I have a lot of respect for people who are open. There's a key word you used, vulnerability. People are afraid to be vulnerable, especially men these days. Um, and it's good to be vulnerable. A lot of people think that, like the picture behind me, this lion here, you know, you've got to be alpha and out masculine. It's like, that's not what it's about. And when you look at a creature like that, it's very protective in nature. It's vulnerable when it has to represent so much more than strength and character. And I think because of social media, there is this expectation to put on a facade. 
And I've been doing a lot of coaching myself recently. Um, I'm someone like yourself who invests a lot in myself. I invest a lot in other people, pay it forward, give back. And something that really hit home with me from one of my late, latest coaching sessions, the, these uncomfortable conversations, is that being yourself is one thing. Knowing yourself is something completely different. And if you know who you are, that you truly know who you are, your weaknesses, your strengths, your friends, why your friends are your friends, how people perceive you, you will be powerful beyond measure. And something else I've been reading lately is a lot of Joe Dispenza. I know a lot of people are familiar with him. I I do a lot of reading these days and I see your face light up because you know what I'm talking about. And if you would have told me when I was younger that I'd be doing a lot of reading and into books, I would have told, uh, told, told you that uh, you're having a laugh, <laughs> um, to, to put it timely. But a lot of these answers are already there, right? They're, people have done it. It's been done. It's been said. It's been thought of. It's been experienced. And we just keep reinventing the wheel and we put uh, a different flavor on the cake, as I like to use the analogy of. And I think it's really important for people to understand that what people see and what people perceive is often very different to the reality. For example, I want everyone to think of right now something in their life that you feared, whether it was going to the dentist, whether it was public speaking, whether it was starting a business, whatever it was, going on a first date, whatever you thought it was, I guarantee it was different. I guarantee it was different than what you thought, and I guarantee it wasn't as bad as what you thought because you build it up in your imagination in your head to be something that it's not. And again, to, to tack on to what you said, Carl, I, just, I think it's very important. And I really love that you shared all of that. And that's what this is about. It's a safe space. It's an open platform. And people need to realize that people have passed and people have done things, good, bad, whatever you want to do it. But that thing does not define, as you said, who you are. That creates part of your experience, your personality, your identity. And that experience, you just cannot buy. But Within learning about the mind, um, I have come to realize that, yes, all humans are capable of far more than they think. And there's that quote which really resonates and it's, you know, you're stronger than you think, more capable than you know, and you're more powerful than you can ever imagine. And it's very true. And when you start believing in that, and this is for anyone listening, wherever you are in your life right now, if you start to believe in that and you take those steps, it's not going to be easy. There's no quick fix. There's no magic pill. I'm telling you, you might find that you supersede your own expectations and you can create, you know, the life that you so wish. But of course, no one's going to come along with an olive branch and say, Hey, do you want to take the red or the blue pill? And you get everything you want. It's not quite that simple. Um, Although, you know, we do need to unplug sometimes from a lot of the societal pressures, like you said, we have to examine ourselves. So I think there's some great takeaways there for the listeners. And because of this tone, I think I'm going to ask some really pointy-ended questions, which I think you'll be quite comfortable with. And the first one is, can you identify one of your, the biggest mistakes you've made in your life? It could, be, it could be something that most people would be like, whoa, that doesn't seem that big. It could be something quite grandiose. But what it was and, and what you learned from it, it could be in business, it could be in personal life, et cetera, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. I mean, I, I think natural, like, <clears throat> sorry, um, I think I'm probably not going to pinpoint one, but I think the way I treat people, man, like, um, you know, as I said, when I was a bit of a party boy, I, that was a big facade for me. You know, that was me protecting myself from the problems that I'd, I'd been through and from the things that, um, 
you know, the, my environment, my, my, my experiences, you know, probably more so as a child than anything. Um, and, and growing up, you know, I think, but I, I think the way I treated people, I look back now and, and, you know, I still reach out to a, a few, a lot of these people and, and, you know, I, I apologize. And, and, you know, I, I did so a couple of days ago, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed of, of, of it anymore. And I think that, it's probably just the way I treated people. I think a lot of the time we can be really quick to judge and we can let our own emotions and our own um, agenda um, affect the way we treat people. And then the hardest thing in life to do is admit that you're wrong. Like that's the one thing that I think everybody struggles with the most. And you can even look at society right now, you know, the whole world is, is up in the air and there's a lot of problems where, you know, people uh, aren't willing to put down the shield they're not willing to, to admit that they are in the wrong or that they have done wrong in their past. And then that actually affects the way you treat people. And for so long, because of my inability to recognize that my behavior was purely a shield and a way to protect myself based on my previous experiences, um, I had this inability uh, and, and I would on, obviously project a lot of my problems onto other people and that would affect the way I treated them and they didn't deserve that, you know, and, and for me now it's a lot of what I do is about trying to be the best possible person that I can, right, and, and that's, that comes out in the way I treat people and a lot of the time it's very hard because emotions can, uh, they can just affect so many different things and it's so dynamic um, and, you know, you still even to this day, you still have emotions that, that really come up. Everybody, you know, you're never going to not have emotions. They're there for a reason. But I think a lot of the time what we struggle with as individuals is our ability to recognize those emotions in, on a subjective level, right? So I, I, rather than um, actually analyze why I might be feeling this and, you know, should I be feeling this? And is, you know, if, if I react now this way, what are the consequences of that reaction? And is this a true representation of the person I want to be? Uh, and a lot of, again, this is really, really hard. And, and at, at any point in our life, it can be hard for different reasons. You know, maybe there's certain things that trigger me now that didn't trigger me back then, but maybe there was a lot of things that triggered me back then that don't trigger me now. So I think this is, again, it just reiterates the point of the necessity of living in an examined life. You know, your ability to, um, to actually view things subjectively is, is so important man it's so important your ability to stop yourself in moments practice mindfulness and then really look at the situation and the way you're going to deal with this is just so so important man it's one of those things that um you know it's probably it's one of the things i, I would owe my life to you know to this day is that I, I really pride myself on being a great person um i try to treat people even even the people that are you know um that, that, you know, um, I probably have the right not to treat um, well is, is something that I really try to emphasize is that, you know, I, I, I don't do things. Uh, I try to be who I am for me, for my own peace of mind, because, as, and that's, that's the thing is that, you know, I, I think that naturally um, that's probably been the big, biggest evolution from that. It's just the way I treat people. And even, even, and it's not just the people that I love and like, it's, it's everybody. It's what I do for the world. It's what I put back into the world um, that I think um, it allows me to, to, um, to continue to live that examined life. Like I think a lot of the time we can, we can pick and choose when we want to do that. Right. We can, you know, we can, when it suits us, it's great. Yeah. Like when I'm, you know, when I'm sitting on a podcast like this, it's easy for me to say I live an examined life, but it's in those true moments when you are tested, when somebody 
maybe does the wrong thing by you or when somebody's probably acting a little bit selfish or when, you know, um, you know, you see um, something bad happen in the world. And, and at these, in these moments, it, it, for me, those are the moments that I really try my hardest. It's, it's, that's when I want to be, when I want to live and examine life is that, you know, can I really give myself a subjective perception in that moment? Um, and, you know, uh, and analyze the situation uh, as close to the truth as I can, because I don't think we can actually get, we can't experience the truth because of what you said before. The way we see the world is it, our lenses are all colored um, by our past experiences, right? So I think, you know, I, I, my goal is to always get as close as I can to the truth and to question every little thing um, so that not because, um, not, not in a negative way, but just in a way that, you know, allows me to see it maybe out of someone else's eyes. Yeah. No, and that's very well said and explained and extrapolated in many ways. And I think people are starting to build a bit of a picture and an image, uh, whether they're watching or whether they're listening or doing both of who you are. And I think it's really important as we've spoke about Kyle, or as I speak about with a lot of my guests to kind of build that picture of who someone is before you sort of delve a little bit deeper. I find that there's a lot of people given information uh, online, especially now, you know, you go on YouTube and before you watch a video, there's someone popping up. Sometimes they're with their kid. Sometimes they're in front of a car. Sometimes there's two of them and they're all telling you how to get rich fast, but no one's actually telling you how to get rich fast. And what I mean by that is everyone's trying to sell something or a facade, but there's very few people that are actually keeping it hashtag real as the kids say these days. <laughs> Uh, I want to I ask you on the opposite side of that question then, Kyle. We've, we've talked about some of those, you know, the adversity, some of the hardships, and it's hard to identify just one of them. On the opposite side of that, what are some of the biggest wins or to, to get to ask a better question? There's those times in life sometimes where what I call the penny drops, where there's something you've learned and, or you've heard and someone's given you this information or you could have read it but you're not quite ready to receive it yet. And then you're at a time in your life and all of a sudden, you know what I'm talking about and everyone can relate whether it's something simple or something complex and it clicks and you're like, fuck, right, yeah, yeah, man. You know what? Someone told me about that like a year ago. I read that but or five years ago and now I truly understand the definition of it. Can you share with me any of those points, or any of those memories, anything that comes to mind from 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 those experiences where you've gone like the aha moments it's like wow it's not a magic pill but it's ah shit you know what that makes sense that's valuable yeah i mean there's probably a lot right and and there's naturally going to be a heap i mean i'm in the business space so there's there's plenty there um on building out concepts and principles and understandings of i guess how to progress in business um there's a lot on the spiritual level i think one of the biggest ones was that, you know, a lot of the time we don't understand that there's internal consequences from uh, living a lie or, or I guess, you know, um, trying to, to live up to an expectation that isn't your own truth in, in a sense. So I think that a lot of the time, like you said, right, we can put on this facade on social media, but a lot of people will only focus on the results on the in the external world. How many likes do I get? How many clients do I have? How much money do I make? But the reality is, is that eventually the internal consequences will always catch up with you. And that's what makes it unsustainable. You know, I think a lot of people, they end up 
you know, because of social media, it creates internal hierarchies within us, right? Where naturally we, we always look at the people that are above us and then, you know, that creates this negative self-talk and, um, and then what it ends up, you know, because of that, we end up trying to do the things that other people are doing or, or living up to that expectation. And that's not a really great, um, that's not a really great example of what your truth is. And then eventually you're doing something that's not authentic to you and it has no alignment to you as an individual, but what people don't, you know, again, this is, this is a kind of, this is a really, I guess, good picture of how most people live their life where they place so much emphasis on the external world, but they have, they have no understanding of what their internal consciousness is. You know, so I think, and that's, that's really what meditation is, right? It's, it's about practicing, spending time with your internal self. And when I say internal self, it's really your autonomic nervous system, um, not to, to make it less hocus pocus, right? And to make it more scientific. So I think naturally people don't focus on that, right? Because it's autonomic, you know, they, they have an inability to actually recognize the energy that's flowing through their body. Uh, and then that inability, right, is it actually, you know, it, when you spend a lot of time with yourself internally, you can get really good at understanding uh, what energy uh, is tied to what emotion and how you feel and how that, you know, connects to your brain. And although you don't, you can't see or feel or understand how it's happening, you can get a really good kind of idea at um, recognizing the patterns. And again, I think people focus so much on their external world that they just don't have any understanding of their internal world. And the problem is, is that you know, if we look at hormesis as a really good kind of concept to, to kind of double down on here, it's like, you know, small, um, small amounts of toxicity over time actually make the human body stronger because of, because of the mechanism um, and, you know, because of how the, the human body is. So it's like if we actually look at that, it's that, you know, what ends up happening is, is that because people don't spend enough time with themselves and they're focused solely on the external world, you could be living a life for such a long time. You couldn't be living outside of yourself and, and living a truth. that's not really who you are or what you want to be. And then, you know, that's no longer a small toxicity, right? That's like that. It builds up. It's like sweeping the dragon under the rug. It becomes this large beast. And then these large beasts, you know, it, what kills humans is large amounts of toxicity, right? Poison. If it's a large amount of poison, a large dose of poison, it will kill you. But a small dose will actually just make you stronger. And if you do that, it's like building muscle, right? Building muscle. You know, it's the small tear that allows you to actually recover and repair. And that's eventually how you build muscle. But guess what? You fucking tear your hamstring off the bone. You're not walking for a, you know, a good four weeks, right? So you can start to see this, right? But it's, it's understanding that, you know, if we continuously do this and this is what social media brings out in us, this is what previously, you know, it wasn't as bad because we didn't have social media, but people still obviously, you know, have self-actualization. They want to reach their potential, but now it's worse than ever. So then, you know, you've, again, there's an internal consequence and you still might have what we call success, right? Um, over a short period of time, but sustainable success and what actually, you know, will allow you to live sustainable, uh, sus uh, become sustainably successful and also fulfilled, right? That's another piece of the puzzle. Actually find fulfillment in what you do long-term. Um, you know, you, 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 I think um, focusing on your in, on the internal consequences allows you to do that. You know, it's, like, it's the whole thing. It's like, if I lie to Jenny, what will Jenny say about me? Instead of, okay, what's the internal consequence of me actually lying to Jenny? What's the standard I set internally? How does that make me feel internally? Am I okay with that? Right. And, and it's kind of understanding that, you know, 
that concept as a whole rather than focusing on what Jenny's going to say to other people and what other people are going to think. What do I think about myself? What's the standard it sets to myself and how does that make me feel inside? And I think that's something that the penny drop for me that has, again, you know, you think like to actually create long-term sustainable success at anything, you have to be able to do that because when you do, and I've, and I'm only saying this from experience because I've done that. I've lived the lie. I've done things for other, you know, I remember the, one of the, the, the key stories and what actually made this penny drop was um, I met my partner. She comes from a pretty wealthy family, very successful in business. Brother-in-law um, is in real estate, you know, really successful in commercial real estate. And then, you know, this was back when I was a PT and I was like, mm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a PT, guys. Like, hey, how you going? You know, like, and, and, and that made me, f- and, and for so long I tried to live and do something and I wasn't proud of that. Um, and, and it was, I love fitness, man. I love being a PT, but I wasn't proud of it because I was trying to do something and, and live something that wasn't my truth. I was trying to do it for the, for the, um, approval of these people. And, and that wasn't their doing. That was my own doing, right? That was me doing this. That was me creating that, that story in my head. Um, and the penny dropped that, you know, that was unsustainable and it really was because that was what was made me so inconsistent. So I think, you know, focusing on your internal consciousness and coming back to living an examined life, learning more about yourself, spending time with your own mind is such a beneficial thing. And I think, you know, the, that's probably the penny drop moment for me. It was like, you know, now I just do what I would love to do, man. And I do it to the best of my ability every single day. And that's the recipe for success in my eyes is that if I continue to follow and do what I love, I'll be good at it because I know that I actually, when I love something, I go all in on it. And that's allowed me, you know, that penny drop moment has allowed me to continuously progress without, um, you know, and, and make it sustainable. Yeah. And it's such a simple concept, which obviously can be very complex in application but it's overlooked and everyone is constantly looking far before they look near. And a lot of the answers in life are just right under the nose and they're the basics, you know, the basics are the best, keep it simple, stupid, all of that, however you want to frame it. And people are, and I've been guilty of this myself as many others, you go and you chase rainbows and you do things because of the title or the look or to impress people you don't even know, you don't even like and, and that can be the same in any avenue. And it's so nonsensical once you can see it when the veil is, is lifted and you can see clearly. Again, I you know spent many years going around doing this job, doing that job. And don't get me wrong, I, I think it was all valuable experience. And I don't think I'd be as a good a communicator if I'd not been through that. But I constantly try and share this with people, not because it's something that I want them to try and replicate, but I want them to realize which I think the listeners can start to understand based on what you're, you're saying and, and with your journey and something that I'm drawing out of it is, again, it's this simplicity of coming back to yourself and going, no, in my heart of hearts, and it's not simple sometimes, it can take time. What is, what is it that truly excites me? What is it that I truly love to do? Like, what's the thing that gives me purpose, right? What is the purpose of life? It's to have purpose, That whether that's looking after your kids, whether that's building a tower or, you know, whatever it is that you want to be a magician, whatever it is you want to do. But if you truly love it and it excites you, that's why we're all different. That's the beautiful thing about being a human being. We are all different. You will reach, like you said, sustainable success. You will have sustainable success because on the days that it's hard, you will 
get after it. And of course, there's going to be days which are a little bit jaded, but you are going to be more likely to be motivated because you've got this intrinsic motivation going off it. And so there's two questions that I want to sort of stem into from there. The first one is... Just before you go into that, right? Like, so so it's really important. You, you said something that really triggered, it triggered like a thought in my head. And, you know, you said once you get there, you know, it's not easy and it might take a bit of time. I, I actually think that there's no end game, right? Like it's one of those things that it can come and go, you know, very quickly. It's one of those things that... You know, an examined life is not, it's not like there's an end game. You don't reach a point and it's then it's all of a sudden, it's like you got to pay rent day in, day out when it comes to your, your own mind. Um, and, you know, the second you drop the ball on, on, the, on living an examined life, it goes away. And, and that's the thing I think, you know, again, it's, there is no end game here in life at all. You know, you, there's no point of success. And, you know, the other point that I wanted to make that there is no, like, you know, when I say success, I don't mean status. And I think that's what a lot of people get messed up. Like I don't, you know, the things I achieve in, in business are not for the, you know, the, um, for others to clap their hands at, you know, that's just not how it works. I, I achieve my goals because I like achieving my goals. Like that's what I tend to do when I say success. And, and I think when a lot of people say success, it doesn't mean status. It doesn't mean my Instagram following. It doesn't mean how much money I make. It doesn't mean any of that. What it does mean is that I'm achieving my goals consistently. And when I'm achieving my goals consistently, I feel like I'm reaching my potential. That's self-actualization. The people feel fulfilled in life when they're achieving their goals and they don't when they're not. Uh, and I think a lot of the times that the reason they don't achieve their goals is because of their, that that negative self-talk because they're actually trying to achieve goals that maybe aren't truthful to themselves. They're trying to achieve goals that other people are setting. Um, and again, that kind of comes back to that point. It's like, you know, success is not status. And we need to make sure that we, when, when I say success, I don't want it to be this, you know, fucking driving a Lamborghini doing that kind of stuff success or, you know, having a million Instagram followers success, you know, success to me is ticking off my goals that are the ones that I've written for myself that nobody sees one by one. Nobody knows what my goals are. Nobody, I don't, I don't, I don't tell everybody every time I achieve a goal, go on my Instagram, it's education. I don't tell you, you know, how much money I earn. I don't tell you any of this stuff because I don't care about it what I care about is reaching my potential. And the only person that needs to know about that is me. And that's the way I, that's, that's what allows me to block out the noise and just continuously make progress as a business owner, as a person, as a, you know, as a, as a, as a partner, all of this kind of stuff is because I haven't, there's no, there's no external pressure for me to do something that I don't want to do. It's like, you know, I want to be a good person because, I want to be a good person. I want to be a great business owner because I want to be a great business owner. You know, these are all in, uh, written down on a piece of paper that only I see. And guess what? When I, I don't brag when I achieve it. Nobody knows what I achieve when I achieve it, right? That's just not how I, I go about it because I don't want the external noise. My life is my life and I want to achieve things because that's what makes me fulfilled and I don't need other people to clap their hands at me to feel good about myself right? Because I spend time with myself. I know myself on a really, really deep level. So I think that's just something where I think a lot of people go wrong. It's like, you know, social media is such a beast these days, man. And it's like, I just think it ruins it for a lot of people. I think it, it causes a lot of people, a lot of problems. Well, I, I couldn't agree more on that. And I'm going to, I'm going to add my two cents on there because I have a lot of conversations with like-minded people around this. And um, there's something that really 
pisses me off about social. And I'm just going to say it as it is because it does piss me off. Um, how many people, when they reach a certain level of success, need to post it in a materialistic fashion on Facebook? For example, five years ago, I used to drive this car, and now I'm driving this car. So the fuck what? Now, don't get me wrong. If you've got a nice car, I like cars. I used to race. That's a passion of mine. I get it. Cool. But is, are they posting that to say, hey, I got a new car? Or are they trying to post that to say, I did well in my business? Or is it something deeper? And I just see a lot of things, and again, each to their own on Facebook, even people posting about, and I, and I get it, right? You've got a kid. It's great. But I see people post their kids and I look at the picture and they've put all these blocks and they've made this like pit. And I'm like, how much effort have you gone to to post this picture of your son or your daughter? The fuck? Like you should be spending time with them. The only people who should know about those things are the people who are closest to you. And they'll only know not because you told them. They'll know because they spend time with you and they've seen it. You didn't go out and tell them. And there's something very humbling about someone who achieves a level of success, does it for themselves and doesn't feel the need to post about it from an egotistical standpoint or a validative standpoint, because I think that's what it is. I see some people post shit. I'm like, yeah, you just posted that because you wanted to post it. I get it. It's cool. But a lot of the time it's like this validation. It's like they want people to be like, oh, congrats, bro. Congrats. For this very reason, I don't have any social notifications on. I advise all the people around me who want to achieve, you know, more happiness and more success. I tell people, check it once, twice a day. Don't have any notifications. Don't react. Um, plan your posts. Have a strategy because it will consume your life. Um, I don't watch TV. I think the best thing you can do is get rid of that thing. Um, control exactly what you watch. Spend time with people. Read books. Invest in yourself. And these things are all simple. And the irony is... I think we all know this stuff. Deep down, we all know. We all know what health is. We all know we should move. We all know we should eat healthy food, right? It's all vague stuff. But we don't do it because the path to leash resistance wins. And when you feed an identity that is not congruent to your life and you give it energy, that's hard to, to make that change, especially when, as we talked about before, Kyle, when you're so in it, it's hard to be able to zoom out and reassess and take a step back or take a sidestep. And perhaps go, well, hang on a minute. Perhaps this is not quite the direction I want to go in. And I've sort of been going with the flow here. But if I come back to myself and I come back to, you know, my ethics, my values, my beliefs, truly what they are, not because of Joe, Tom or Dick and Mary or whatever it is, or because bloody TV or socials told me, you know, what is it that I truly want, you know? Uh, whatever that may be. So there's a lot of I think there's a lot of really tough points. And I think people, if they really want to to grow you really need to have a good look in the mirror and it's going to be uncomfortable because there is no quick fix. Like you said, you mentioned the silent retreat before, and that's something on my to-do list. I have um, a close friend of mine who's been on the podcast is a psychologist and he's been on quite a few of these retreats and he shared a lot of insights with me. And we have a lot of deep conversations about mindfulness and, and just life in general and communication. And it's fascinating. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, I don't need to do that. I, I can do that. It's like, yeah, but do it. Like, it's not about whether it's need or not. It's an insecurity where, to be honest, most people think that they can't, they could do it, but they can't do it. But if they did do it, this is a bit of an enigma. It would really, 
expose like COVID has done a lot of people with their pants down. And by identifying those weaknesses, then you can build on them. But people are so afraid of their weaknesses or the things that they need to work on where the sooner you do that, the better. Willful blindness, right? Yeah. There's, 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 no, there's no shame in being vulnerable, like you said before, and identifying things that you're weak at. But I do think there's a good point by keeping you know, the things that you, uh, your goals to yourself. And not because you should, because they're your goals. And at the end of the day, you don't need to... When, when I achieve a certain... like I say people all the time with um, my training and my physique because... You know, people are like, oh, you know, it's, you know, you've obviously done this and done that. And I got into it for the wrong reasons. I got into it because I was bullied because I felt small because I felt insignificant. And I'm very open about that. And it's like this armor, it tells a story. But I am so obsessed with just aesthetics and biology. I'm a nerd. I just, I am in love with the fact that you can manipulate the body in internally and externally. But I also put a lot back internally, which people don't realize, right? Because I'm reading, I'm, I'm analyzing, I'm investing in coaches. I'm, you know, putting myself on my comfort zone. I'm bloody doing yoga. I'm learning play the piano, a language, shit, shit like that. People, the things people don't see. But it's like all these things are done for myself. But if you are, again, constantly doing it for an external reason, like that will almost, that will always limit, like you said, that success, right? Because you're not, your, your, your fuel is not, is not infinite. It's finite. And as you said before, you never get there. Everyone puts happiness on the horizon, but you never get there because tomorrow never comes, right? There's always something else. So how do we be happy now? How do we start now? Like, how do we take action right now everyone's procrastinating oh, i'll come see you next week for a session alex i'll start my diet on monday no you fucking up because you come up with another excuse you start now and it's not on off black white it's not perfect it's just this like you said you said a keyword before which i um utilize a lot with my clients it's not a transformation it's an evolution a transformation would suggest that you go from one to the other just like a transformer it has two states, but an evolution is something that is endless. It's consistently growing and it's ever changing and improving. Sometimes you go backwards, sometimes you go forwards, but the whole idea is to grow. And as you rightly said, there shouldn't be an end goal because self-actualization is something that is uncapped and untapped. It's a pyramid without a top. It continues. There is, there is no pinnacle because there's always more to learn. And we know this from stoic philosophers and a lot of people in life that have achieved amazing things and still go on to, you know, look at Elon Musk, for example, you know, he's a very interesting individual, but he's just constantly, you know, people look at him, go, oh, he's so well, he's so, and it's like, he's not doing this for himself. And this guy just loves doing it. He just loves coming up with ideas and he loves innovating and he's just passionate. Like he's not doing it for a paycheck. He's not doing it for validation. He just does it for himself. You got to enjoy the chase, right? Yeah. And that's admirable. You find peace in the chase and you find enjoyment in the chase. As I said, the, the end game doesn't exist. No, it's a, it's a journey. And everyone's so focused on the destination. But if you did get to the destination, then what? You'd have to go on another journey. So surely the journey is always better than the destination. When I go out on a bike ride on the weekend, is the destination better or the journey? Fuck no, it's the journey, right? It's getting out there and just experiencing it. Um, what I'd like to ask before we get into some more business related questions, Carl, because I'd love to talk about like stealing the walls and a couple of concepts that really hit home with me when I listened to a couple of your recent podcasts. Um, but f before we do, just to kind of build or, or finalize a little bit more of a picture, 
Uh, uh, people love these questions. You run us through a day in the life. I know you sort of talked to me about you, your morning before, but let's keep it real. So give us, give us a day where you're like, you're on it, you got a big business day, and then perhaps give us a day if it exists where it's a bit more chilled out for you, you're rejuvenating, and just walk us through the main checkpoints. Be as descriptive as you want because I know people actually inadvertently take a lot out of these day in the life questions and scenarios. Yeah, cool, man. So I wake up at about 5.20, 5.15, twenty every day. Um, I'll wake up, I'll jump in the shower, um, and then I'll literally get out of the shower and I'll jump straight into some meditation. And then um, after meditation, I'll get in, get my subs done, um, get everything into my body that I need for the day. Uh, and then basically the first thing I do every day is some reading and, and some study. So I'll, I'll go and study, um, whether that's you know a course that I'm doing, whether that's a book, whether it's both, you know, I'll usually do about an hour and a half to two hours of study. Um, and then basically there's, I always work on, um, uh, so my day will always go and it's structured similar to what you said before, where it's like, you know, I've got the one thing that will make everything else easier or unnecessary and I'll be working on that. So whether that's writing a course, whether that's working on a certain, uh, you know, uh, whatever that one thing is, I'll end up jumping into that for 90 minutes. And what I like to do is work in 90 minute blocks. And then after that, I'll go into my second prioritization task. Um, and that'll get me through to about, about 11 o'clock. Um, and then once it hits 11, um, I'll have a bit of a break, um, you know, maybe get some food into me. Uh, and then it'll either be some training um in isolation it's been a little bit different but uh, and then from there i'll go into a bit of a checklist so i'll just kind of tick off some things that need to get done um and then the second half of my day is usually like people time so it's a lot of it is built around you know i might need to have a conversation i might have a few calls booked in you know a, a lot of these different things um and you know i, I probably stop working at about seven thirty at night so um, you know, usually the, the, the second half of my day is a bit more relaxed, I guess. Um, but I think like the two most important things is study. Like I'm always studying, um, and I'm always doing, you know, uh, always starting my day with that. I like to get my mind right. And then I'm working on the two, the two things every day that are going to get me the most progress in my business. Um, and they're pro that's probably the three main things, you know, and then my more, my morning routine is huge for me. Um, and then from about 7, 7.30 at night, it's spend time with my partner, which is, you know, just uh, as soon as I'm done, I'll, I'll go and spend time with her and, um, you know, we'll have dinner together and, and do that. And then honestly, that's probably what my day looks like every day except for Sunday. Sunday is no work, fully relax, get outside, go do some exercise, go to the markets, get our food for the week and just spend the whole day with my partner and, dedicate that day to her really and and you know we it's a little bit different now because we're in lockdown but outside of that you know that's probably the one day that i do relax reset i usually read a book that's less businessy so at the moment i'm reading elon musk um the biography written on him so you know i'll, I'll usually jump into a book that's you know not study in a sense it's just an enjoyment read um on a sunday or you know, we've been getting some t some TV shows, um, which is not something I've done too much of um, over, you know, probably the last four years, but um, it's something that we enjoy together. It's time that I spend with my partner. You know, we, we, we would probably watch maybe one to two hours on a Sunday. So, um, 
you know, that's something that we're enjoying and, and just relaxing at the moment and, and really just kind of using Sunday to, to um, rejuvenate, recover, um, and then back into it on the Monday. But I think one of the big things is that, you know, uh, being productive, especially as a business owner, it's not about the, doing everything and, and getting everything done. It's about picking the right things to get done. And that's what gets you the most progress. And, and then I, I really do allocate my study around that. So, you know, when I do study something, um, I'll always be studying something that has context to that one thing. Um, so that that way, when I do go to jump into that one thing, it doesn't take me a while to get going. Um, I've already studied it and, and put a lot of effort in with my study, uh, from that side of things. So, um, that's kind of, that's a day in the life of me, man. Um, you know, and then I, obviously I'll, I'll fit my training in, um, somewhere. So, um, at the isolation has been a bit tough with that cause you know, we're being pretty busy. So it's been a little bit kind of all over the shop, but usually I like to, um, I, I've, you know, I've been training a little bit in the mornings early, a little bit at night, little, or like not night, but about four or 5 PM, which I don't really enjoy doing too much, but sometimes you have to, right. So isolation is throwing that, in, um, it's throwing that around a little bit, but yeah, the, that's a, a life in the, in the day of me, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And thanks for sharing. I think, you know, something that I relate with a lot, there's obviously a lot of similarities there, but I think also a caveat as well, sometimes for people listening as well, like something I've learned from reading Tim Ferriss is take what works, leave what doesn't, success leaves clues. Something that I got caught up on, and I think for people listening, just to, to highlight is that don't necessarily copy other people, but if there's things in there that work or you'll find that... What I started to notice from reading, uh, you know, when we talk about success, and it's great before, Carl, because you define success uh, for what it really is, for what it means to you, because, again, it's different. It should be different for everyone, and success shouldn't be defined by one aspect, like a monetary value. It should be more internal, like happiness, et cetera, and fulfillment. But I think people start to become robots, and they can just replicate. And you've got to do something again, coming back to that word sustainability, right? And you've got to test things. Are you, are you someone that works better in the morning? Are you someone that works better in the afternoon? Are you someone that works better at night? And you've got to factor in everything, right? It's like a, a coach. When we design programs for our clients, it's not what's best on paper. It's what, what's best in real life. What, what aids adherence? What aids flexibility, sustainability, and enjoyment? Because that's the thing you're going to stick to. Therefore, if that's what we're going to stick to, that's what's going to get us more progress. And I think sometimes people can just fall in the trap of thinking they have to do certain things. But again, it's more about the principle than the task itself. So if you're someone who I like the cold showers, it won't work for some people, but sometimes you've got to give it a go, you know, and finding, like you said, where you're the most sharp in the day. But I think regardless, if someone was going to take away something from that, it's that if you, again, focus on that task every day, that it is going to give you the most uh, return on investment. Or like you said, it makes everything else, um, you know, uh, not even, uh, what's the, the term? Unnecessary you or easier. Unnecessary or easier. If you do that, you're going to be in a much better standpoint. And the thing is, it's not the one day, it's the collective, right? So if you do that four, five, six days a week, that, that shit compounds and that adds up. And that is how you create progress. Because I always say to people, it's not what you do sometimes, what you do most of the time. And how you do one thing is generally how you do everything. 
So again, I think success does, does leave clues. Um, Kyle, I want to talk about now, there's a concept uh, that I really liked. You've got it on your top there, defensive versus offensive, right? And I know there's something you're really passionate about. And if I remember correctly, it's something that you teach within your course a lot where everyone's teaching you to fill the proverbial bucket. But no one's telling you how to sort of bung the holes up in it. And I'm sure we'll get into the more financial status of that. But can you talk, to the audience a little bit more about what that concept means and the importance and the applicability of it. I mean, I think like naturally in our industry, we, we, um, we're at a point now, right. And I'm going to position this, but we're at a point where because of the desperation, uh, that most business owners face, They've been taken for a ride by marketing gurus, right? People that are in the marketing sector that, um, you know, they, you know, there's a lack of the, uh, the ability to, to actually see what these marketers are doing to people from those people, right? So when they see the ad and they see the get rich quick scheme, they're not actually seeing how that person is actually marketing to them. They're actually just seeing the, you know, the rainbow in a sense. So I think that what we've seen is that, because of that desperation, people have started to then think, okay, as soon as we, somebody says the word business, we automatically think leads and marketing in our industry. And that's just because we're not, you know, that's, we, we're not, we're not uh, skilled in, and we don't have a knowledge in that area. So everybody wants to teach you how to make money, but nobody wants to teach you how to keep it. You know, you only find out who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. That's a Warren Buffett quote. And, you know, that's, that's probably what happens, right? So we can use Australia as a, as an example here is that, you know, the stats say that 70% of business owners wouldn't make it past one month without stimulus from the government. And that tells me that there's a systematic problem in the knowledge uh, that we're equipping business owners with in our industry, because as I said, you know, um, anybody can make money when the economy economy is booming. Right. But the fact that, um, and there's really a 10 year cycle. It talks about the short term debt cycle, right? So, you know, naturally we go through um, the short-term and the long-term debt cycle. So the short-term debt cycle is roughly around eight to 10 years. The long-term debt cycle can go from anywhere from 70 to 90, history says. Um, so if you look at the last time um, we went through a depression, you know, properly, um, it was, you know, you can go back to like World War Two. So it's roughly been about 90 years. So, you know, we're probably going to go through one now. Um, based upon what happened. And this is what history has told us going back, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. The short-term debt cycle talks about, um, you know, um, going through recessions. And, and again, roughly we go through one of those every 10 years. Australia probably didn't, didn't really go through the 2008 one. We didn't really cop too much of that. We did, it did affect us a little bit, but, you know, it's really important to, to, to kind of read between the lines here and say that, you know, if you're not aware of that, then the way you run your business in the good times or there is no such thing as good times and bad times, right? And there's another quote, which is a Keith Cunningham quote. Um, how you run your business in the good times is a direct reflection of how well you survive the bad. And, and that's kind of really where we can encompass exactly what I was talking about before with Fitness Australia coming out with that stat is that, you know, again, everybody wants to teach you how to make money, but the problem isn't making money. The problem is keeping it. 90% of business owners don't make it past the 10-year mark. Do the math. How often do we go through a recession? Every 10 years, 90% of business owners don't make it through that recession because guess what? They're not running their business properly um, in the good times. Success only teaches us bad lessons. 
that's when we're at our most exposed because we've got, you know, we, we think that we're doing really well. Really, the economy's booming. Anybody can make money during that time, you know, and that's, that's the, the reality, you know, some people more than others. But um, we have this systematic problem where there's, an, there's actually, no, you know, we, we, business owners in the fitness industry um, aren't given a foundation for decision-making. Their judgment is poor, uh, and they make a lot of mistakes and mistakes cost you time and money. So it's important to understand that, you know, playing offense without a stable defense leaves you exposed and it uh, makes, and then that leads to you making mistakes. And like we just said, mistakes cost you time and money. I've made plenty, right? So I can tell you that if I was to get my top three mistakes and add up all the money that it cost me and the time that it cost me, you know, it's not about dwelling on that, but it's about understanding that, you know, unless you're, your judgment uh, and you, you, you are coloring your lens and having a foundation for decision-making that allows you to improve your judgment continuously over time, uh, then you'll keep making mistakes and you'll never actually really progress in business. And then when we do go through these bad times, you're going to be the one left, you know, you said it before, pulling up your pants, right? And, and you're going to be kind of stuck, if that makes sense. Uh, and, and, you know, this, you know, I'm, we're not sure what's going to happen, right? But you know, it's going to be interesting to look back on this in two years' time and, and see how many people do actually make it through the other side. Like how many personal trainers are going to be left standing in a year's time? How many gyms are going to be left standing in six months' time? You know, the, uh, these are all questions that we're not going to be able to answer right now, but I can guarantee you this is that the next time this happens, you know, our company mission is to make sure that the next time this happens, that percentage might be down to 40% or 30% or 20%, right? Because we want to create um, and educate people with the foundational principles that underpin not just growing your business, but actually defending your business. How can you become earthquake resistant? Steel on the walls is a really cool concept. When I actually searched up what that meant, um, I actually had a conversation with Jordan Shallow. I don't know whether it was on a podcast or not, but we were talking about, you know, there's just not enough steel on the walls for much, many business owners out there. You know, that's that they're lacking that steel on the walls. And you know, I really love that concept. I really loved how we positioned it. And when I actually thought about putting this course together based on the principles I was going to present, um, I actually looked up steel on the walls. I was like, I want to call it this for some reason. Um, and I actually looked it up and, and there was two things that, that really stuck out to me. Two core principles is why you would use steel on the walls when building a house compared to I don't even know what the fuck else you use, to be honest. But um, <laughs> no, we're not we're not we're not builders, guys. We're not builders. No, not I'm not a builder. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a trade. I'm not a I'm not a tradies asshole, if that's how you want to put it. But um, <laughs> um, but so when you the, the, what what I actually found when I searched up steel on the walls is that there's two things. Um, the first one is strength and freedom. Um, so the there's like a durability and a malleability that allows architects to actually have more freedom of choice and design, which for me is what I say is that when your decisions are uncompromised, when you have a really good grasp on where your business is at, fear is diminished and you then can actually make uncompromised decisions. And that's the true root of all innovation and creativity. And that's when you can actually become your most, uh, the, the best offensive version or play offense to the best of your ability in business. And then the other one is earthquake resistant. So, your defense in, in business is judgment because when you stop making mistakes and taking wrong turns, you only, you know, you make better decisions and those decisions not cost you time and money, but actually give you back time and money. Um, and, you know, you can actually make progress and that compounds over time. 
Uh, and, and that's what we talk about when we talk about becoming your most creative and innovative self. But, you know, the, the, the companies and the businesses in the current environment, when we're going through an earthquake, you know, a lot of people are falling down. The ones that are standing up and actually making progress and getting better during this time, they're becoming anti-fragile, right? Are the ones that had a brand, are the ones that had, a, had cash in the bank and they were allocating capital and had a really good strong grasp on their business so that they could diminish fear. They weren't fearful of what's going to happen. Um, and they were using, they were tracking metrics, using KPIs um, to make decisions previously, which means it made it easy for them to understand what was the right move to make in that point in time. I, you know, we had made a decision that we wanted to come out with this course, Steal on the Walls. And we had that backed from um, metrics that we were, tra- we were tracking with our podcast. What were the things that got the most traction? Intelligence, cash flow. These were the episodes that people gave us a lot of feedback on. We had certain, we did, we ran surveys with our, with our members. We ran surveys with our email list. We did all of this stuff, right? We used KPIs. We used what was working already in our business. Where were we getting the best return? Right, we used a lot of these things to then go and create this course, and this was the best move for us in conjunction with my brand. My brand told me, okay, this is what we stand for, this is where we want to go. But then I'm using my metrics and my performance indicators to tell me what's the best avenue to actually express my brand and the strategies that we want to use. Um, so you can see how all of those intertwined allowed us to make a really good business decision that has taken us to six months later, 260 students a course that is a really great representation of our brand created alignment and allowed us to actually make progress. If I choose to go and do what every other business coach out there did six months ago and to go down the marketing route, I'm versing probably 80% of the market, right? I'm now, I'm now not authentic to my brand. So I've lost my authenticity, but I'm also now in a, in a really dense competition um, for the market. So, that's just an example, right? I'm using myself as an example and our company is an example because we practice what we preach. It's anything that we teach is not something that we just say, yeah, this sounds great. It's like, we're, you know, this is really in the trenches kind of stuff. So, you know, that's the concept as a, in a nutshell, right? And you can see how, you know, your defense is judgment. It's your decision-making if, you know, because your decision-making um, is either, you know, it's either made out of fear and, and a lot of the time that can lead you, you know, sometimes it leads you in the right direction, but you have no idea why. Um, and that's a big part of what defense is. Defense is judgment. Um, and it's funny because offense is leverage, right? Like that's what people really love. People view, would probably think offense is growth, but growth isn't what people want. If you ask anybody what they, why they want to own a business, it's because they want to have freedom. They want to live the life they want. They want to travel. They want to do all these things. And the reality is, if growth is the if growth is the growth is the only thing that we're focusing on, a lot of the time that growth can come at the expense of time. Um, and leverage really is something that we believe, where it's it's fixed inputs compared to and, and getting maximal outputs. And you can't and, and I want you to think about this: you can't have leverage without great judgment. All right? You can't have you can't actually truly make um, fine leverage in your business unless you're practicing defense. Unless you've got a great brand, you've got KPIs giving you um, and and driving your decision making, and you've got cash in the bank. You can't find leverage without having great judgment. So it's it's just important to understand that the way this all flows and the way we believe is that a lot of people are trying to play offense. They're trying to grow their business. They're trying to scale their business without actually having a strong enough defense. And then that's why they, when they make a mistake, it comes crumbling down.
Yeah. And I think that's super valuable, Carl. I appreciate you sharing that. The foundations are absolutely key. And as you said, it's getting overlooked a lot. I know something that I took out of that conversation that you had with Jordan. And I said this to you, I sort of went home again and redid some metrics because I'm a bit OCD and I was looking and I was like, no, no, no. Cause I know there's always improvements. And I was like, okay, you know, like make sure like ingoings, outgoings, all these basic things, which are perhaps quite tedious. And I think a lot of fear, and this might be speaking for myself, comes from the fact that it seems quite overwhelming because it doesn't get taught or perhaps you didn't do some basic accounting in school. But once again, it doesn't have to be that complex. I think if you get that advice and you get that mentorship and that experience, and I imagine this is, you know, a, um, a sector of, of what, or a part of the pie of what you teach uh, with Steel in the Walls is just understanding those metrics and, and using tools and systems and processes to be able to actually track them in real time. And then whether again, you're using resources like zero, or you've got a good, I know for myself, it's took me a long time, but I've got a phenomenal bookkeeper. I've got a great accountant. You know, I surround myself with like-minded allied professionals who I know I can trust, but you still need to understand it yourself. So the wall doesn't get pulled over your eyes. And it's the same with whether we're trying to manipulate someone's body fat or the uh, uh, recompose their body. I mean, what gets measured gets managed and people are so resistant to just you know, it might not be forever, but just to track these metrics. And it's simple because I say to guys, look, if you, if you know what you're putting in, you know what you're getting out. I mean, why get, why guess when you can track the metrics and manipulate them, the variables and get a more accurate answer. And then you know what you're putting in. Like you said, if you, you can then go on the offense, offense and create leverage. If you understand where your vulnerabilities are, and again, building it from the foundation up, if you understand those foundations, you never have to go back and build that base of the pyramid. That will, will stand the test of time. I don't know if you want to add on to that before I move on to the next question. Yeah, I mean, sorry, the, the, the goal of defense in business is to avoid serious mistakes and then create a foundation um, for uh, foundational process for strategical decision-making. Um, and, and then, you know, so it's just understanding that, you know, it, it works two ways and it's not playing defense and then playing offense. It's playing both at the same time. Mm. And the other thing I will say that you kind of brought up a good point is that um, fear is the light and shadow of ignorance, right? So a lot, it's the willful blindness thing again. It's like, you know, again, this is such a dynamic thing because money is psychological and our relationship with money is handed down to us. So that's why it's such a difficult thing for people to do. And it's much easier for people to neglect, um, you know, again, it's the hormesis thing, right? It's like, it's much easier for people to neglect and sweep the dragon under the rug than to deal with it. Cause the second you start tracking all of these things and you start spending time on it, you then have to be responsible for it, which means that you can be told that you're wrong every single day. But what people don't realize is, is that the, when you're willfully, when you're willfully blind and you're ignorant, um, that dragon that's under the rug actually becomes a big, big dragon, and it's the big dragon that actually makes you, you know, it, it, it costs you a lot of time and money. It brings the business tumbling down. So when you stop being ignorant and you start spending time with this stuff, naturally your brain is the best, you know, it's the best artificial intelligent machine learning mechanism in, in the world, you know. So you put the right things in front of it, you put the data, you put all of these things, although it might be hard to face it at the start. Over time, you know, your brain, again, it's plastic. So it, it takes in what you put in front of it no matter what. So the more data you put in front of it, the more time you spend on your brand creating, you know, almost um, 
you know, it's almost like putting glasses on for the first time, right? When somebody's blind, you know, and naturally your brain will start making better decisions autonomically because you're putting that stuff in front of it. It's giving you a greater understanding of where your business is at, which allows you to make better decisions um, for your business moving forward, which again, you know, good decisions will, uh, will, will give you back some time and money. Bad decisions will cost you time and money. Yeah, 100% agreed. With the overarching theme then of the the defense and the, the, the offense principle, with the students, uh, the applicants, the clients, whatever you want to call them that come on board and, and work with yourselves, what are some of the most common mistakes specifically that you see them making? Is there any um, trends or the most common trends that you see where people are going wrong uh, apart from what you've already mentioned? Yeah, I mean, I think like the naturally the biggest one is that they don't have a brand, you know, and they don't spend time on their brand, you know, because it's it's like I, I think about steel on the walls and, and what I'm talking about is like your your business GPS, right? So it's, you know, you think about people will jump straight into marketing without having a brand. And and it's like that's that's a recipe for disaster, you know, and most people will be like, oh, well, what's a brand? And it's like a brand is just truly a representation of your business. It's your belief system. It's... It, and, and a brand is how you express that belief system um, to the world. It creates the bridge between you and the world. And I think that a lot of people jump into, you know, a, again, they're just trying to skip the line. You know, you've got you to come back and play defense. And the other one is cash flow. I think, uh, you know, if we nail this down to one mistake that people are making, fitness business owners love to learn about fitness, right? But the problem is, is they're not playing the game of fitness. You're not, you know, you're... You're, yeah, you're a coach. Guess what? That's great. And that's a big part of having been successful in our industry is you have to be a great coach. You have to have the science base, you know, the, the, the scientific knowledge there to be able to get someone a result. But that'll get you to being a really busy trainer. Like, and being a really busy trainer is not what anybody wants these days. People want to, like you said, live the life they want. They want to have the freedom to do things. And the reality is, is that the only way that you can do that is by becoming a great business owner. My one wish in life is that people, you know, not only want to be a great coach in life, but they want to be a great business owner because that's the game they're playing. If you can't read the scoreboard, you can't play the game. And that's the, the biggest thing is that not enough people are spending time on these defensive principles. They, you know, and, and I get it, you know, you want to be, you, you love fitness and that's what you want to do and you want to do that. But, you know, in Australia here, we have 70% of the opportunities in the industry um, require you to run a business. So the reality is, is that, you know, if you're only a great coach, you'll you'll only ever just be a great coach, um, and that's not going to give you the freedom that you're, you're looking for. So, um, you've got to start to understand business and learn the core principles of business if you want to start making progress as a business owner, um, and you want to start finding what we call leverage. You know, want to have the freedom to travel, you want to have the the money there to buy a house or invest in and do the things that you want to do. Um, so I definitely think the biggest mistake that people make is that they put so much emphasis on being a great coach and then they're horrible business owners, which means that they never actually even get to reach their potential as a, as a coach, you know, like I, I really question everyone to think how, what, what would $50,000 sitting in your business account change right now? It's a quote I ask everyone. And the reality is, is that it creates so much freedom is that you get to choose who you take on and who you don't. You get to, you know, that's a big thing. It's uncompromised decisions, right? So it's, I think that a lot of people, they neglect business for so long, but they, they, they struggle to and, and don't realize that your ability to reach your potential as a coach is directly um, 
is a, is directly linked to how well you're running your business. Because if your decisions are always compromised, you're always taking on people that you know you probably shouldn't take on. You're always making decisions that cost you time and money, and that puts you under financial stress. And financial stress is whether you like it or not affects the way you treat people. It affects your behavior. It affects how you know how in the zone, how flow state you can get when you're coaching people, when you're building concepts, when you're you know deal, trying to build systems and these types of things. So. I just think people need to spend more time becoming great business owners instead of just trying to be a great coach. Becoming a great coach is a necessity. It's probably the foundation. It probably comes first. Um, but for those people that are ready to, to actually start reaching their potential and you want to, be, you want to, get, you want to enter the top 20% in our industry, you've got to become a great business owner because if you look at the top 20 in our industry, they're all great business owners. Yeah, no, 100%. And again, just so many gold nuggets and valuable points there for, for people to take away, especially those who really truly want to progress. Because as you said, um, being a great coach or a great trainer or whatever you want to call it, or being, you know, part of, part of the business, whether you've got a bakery and you're the baker or whatever, right? Because it, it is applicable that the fundamentals are, are, the principles are the same, I imagine. Correct me if I'm wrong. But you do need to know these are the principles because if, like you said, you want to be more than that, because you and I both know we've, we've seen it all the time. Uh, I, I see it a lot in the gym, the gym that I uh, work out of a lot of other gyms. And, and there's a lot of people that are just, they're just buzzing around like flies. And I see a lot of um, just chaos. It's just manic. It doesn't, it, it looks uncomfortable and um, of course, I'm not sort of on my high horse looking in. Of course, I'm still learning as well. And there's, there's lots, of, lots of growth still to occur. But something that I have realized is that you do need to spend time. And this goes back to like those daily routines and those habits as well on your business and not just in your business. And again, the keyword business. But as you rightly said, people, and I know this is on your, uh, on your website, when people think of business, they've probably got the wrong concept and the wrong definition of business. And I think understanding what it actually means and then also having the skill sets of what it means to be able to be a truly successful business owner. So then you can, you know, actually have that freedom and, and, you know, flexibility to go out and do things. We all know that trainer who's been in the gym, they're 40 years old, they're, they're doing the same thing, you know, they're, they're charging the same amount of money. They've, they've still got no freedom. And it's such a shame, but again, it's a quote that we talked about before. You know, it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result and uh, you've got to break that pattern. And I think to underscore one more point uh, that you made there, Kyle, is regardless of whether people agree or not, if you are under too much financial pressure, that will um, diversify and spread into other areas of your life and you become very needy. I've seen it. I've Financial instability is the absolute root cause of what everyone's problem in business. Yeah. This, for as long as you are financially unstable, you are you have an inability to reach your potential. You want to know that's the one thing that we that's our root cause to everything. That's the villain in our story brand. That's everything. If you are financially unstable, it's hands down. You are just never going to reach your potential. The only time you, you ever give yourself the best chance to do so is when you start to find some financial freedom. This doesn't need, need, mean a lot of money. This just means that you have a good understanding um, of where your business is at and you can have um, a buffer there that allows you to make uncompromised decisions. And it's as simple as that because 
I mean, again, I think that's that's the, the thing that everybody struggles with at some point in their life. And I think once you can overcome that and you can diminish the fear that comes with that, you can really start to do some great things. Yeah. No, and, I, and I, I'll testify um, because I've been on both sides of, of those avenues where, you know, I've, I've gone, fuck, like I really kind of don't want this client, but I need this client. Or oh, man, I've got this bill and that bill. And, and again, it, it stems from doing all of these basic things. And then you don't even realize it's almost subconscious. And when you have the luxury, I mean, it's like, for example, me and you now, it's what, 10.44 a.m. here in Australia, I think same in Melbourne. And we're, you know, we're doing a podcast. We're able to do that. I'm, I'm, I know I'm super grateful because it wasn't always this way. Um, I've worked some shit jobs, not afraid to say it. I've done, done, some, <laughs> done some long hours, um, you know, but <laughs> that's good. It, it builds character and whatnot. But again, having the luxury to be able to, choose your clients and not in a not in a pessimistic way um just for people because i don't want them to get the wrong idea but going does this client align you know and spending that time where it's not just oh hey you can jump on my website am i the best person for the job right and that's that's something that you know you you know that's something that uh, it's one of the hardest things to do as a trainer like Mm. is there somebody who can help this person on a greater level and your ability to, to actually delegate is based upon how financially stable you are you know like the hardest thing to do is that you know, if you've got someone in front of you who you think you probably can't help to the best of your ability or you think someone else suits better, but all of a sudden you've got to make rent that week, that's, that's one of the hardest decisions to ever make. And it's not a place that, I mean, I, I don't wish that upon anybody, but unfortunately it's a, it's, you gotta, you, it's, it's a personal responsibility, right, to have your finances in order and to pay attention to that. And it is dynamic and it is really hard, but it is a personal responsibility. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Man, me and uh, Luke Tollock were having a conversation uh, last week about this, where when you do choose and align the clients and you spend a bit of time to qualify and you do have that luxury from a financial perspective of being able to align with these clients, you get a far higher quality and high caliber client who is much more loyal. You work with them for generally longer periods of time and you are able to get far, far more elite results with them as well. So again, there's so many positives to that before, because we're getting close to time. I want to ask some uh, more lighthearted questions, but before we do, let's, for, for people listening, who are interested in steel of the walls, um, steel and the walls and, and what you do at, at elite vitality, just give us a bit of a rundown. I know we've been into it a bit more in depth in certain parts, but say they want to come on board what does it look like? How are you delivering the service right now? And where's the best places to go? And we'll recap some of these um, social links at the end. Because I think I think this is really critical, Kyle, because a lot of people, again, you need to look at the priority in your business. And it seems like a bit of a no-brainer to me that this, I'm not saying just because of what you're doing, but more about the principles, needs a lot more attention. And again, you might even use this as a question where... For example, I had another trainer yesterday. She comes up to me. She's done all this study. She tells me the Institute, this, that, and the other. She's afraid to get in the industry. Should I do it? Should I not? And I said, look, I said, unfortunately, there's this massive gap. I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you, and I'm not going to tell you bullshit. I'm just going to give you my opinion. doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but here's my experience. And I said, the sooner you can get hands on, the better. But I said, if you think that it's just about training, I said, you're going to get a massive shock. So as you go come in here, you pay $400 a week rent, right? You gotta, you're gonna have 
like this is real. Like you got to pop, you got to be earning some money because, and then say you're only doing three clients and then you've got a $300 wage, you got a family, you got this, you got that. So I said, you need to find a way to bridge the gap, whether it's mentorship, whether it's um, getting, you know, a, a business mentor or a course that can help you. Obviously you need some funds there initially to be able to create that transition because nine times out of 10, most trainers come into a gym unless they've got a hella reputation, uh, they're not going to be making money or decent money for, you know, it could be weeks, it could be months um, to a degree. So I think, unfortunately, people are selling a dream. There's a lot of institutions on name, no names. Uh, in Australia, they're like, cool, get in, pay your five, six, seven, eight, ten grand, see you later, sell you the dream, go on the gym floor. Personal trainers don't last six months or a year. And they're fucking, they've, they've probably, what pisses me off is that they've fucked a lot of people over. And then they've made it a little bit more challenging. Uh, I accept the challenge for a good trainer who comes along because now I've got to rewrite all of these expectations, these bad experiences, the knowledge, because it was a flash in the pan for someone else. So I think if we can, again, go back and give people this knowledge early on, we can avoid a lot of these mistakes. And like your mission statement says, it's a bigger picture, right? It's about being able to reduce a percentage of people in financial strife. And it's like, man, if we can go and get it, like we can cut the head of the snake and we can get the people in the education doing this before we get the people in the industry. And we're, we're going to solve that problem before, like you said, that dragon evolves to such a bigger monster. Well, there's a systematic problem, right? So yeah, well, I've got a question for anyone that's listening. What does our industry look like right now? If you know, 50% of people are more well-equipped when it comes to business, you know, is our business on its knees like it, uh, sorry, our industry on its knees like it is right now. And that's a serious question that everybody has to ask themselves. So, you know, when we say that this is our mission statement, we say that because there is a systematic problem and it is controlled by the monopolies, the large corporations. Um, but, you know, again, what we do is we're trying to create really accessible courses that teach people not just marketing, not just lead generation, but they, it actually teaches people um, how to run a sustainably successful business over time. Um, you know, we, we have concepts that we're going to be teaching that are, are really coming, you know, um, we're going to teach defense. We, we are teaching defense at the moment. We've had four intakes of steel on the walls, which, you know, again, teaches you, um, uh, gives you a foundational um, process of how to um, make uh, better business decisions, right? So it's judgment. It improves your judgment. We've got offense, which is about creating leverage. Offense is a course that we're going to offer that's not going to look at what's worked over the last 10 years. It's going to teach you what's going to work over the next 10 years. It's going to really give you an insight into how it's, how you can become a really futuristic business owner and have success over the next 10 years. And that's why it's leverage. The, the world is moving fast and what worked over the last 10 years is not going to work over the next 10 years. So we're really going to look into the future and, and really start dragging the industry towards that point. And that's what offense is going to do. We're also going to be teaching a course which is called brand strategy. So for me, strategy is the missing link. That's where everybody struggles when it comes to business. You can Anybody can run a budget. Anybody can, um, you know, anybody can do defense and that's the truth that's why it's it's completely accessible it's something that we want to have in the hands of every single business owner in the industry but offense is you know, um, and especially when we're gonna we're gonna segregate off uh, off the back of that as well and create uh, a course for brand strategy is that we just want to create really um, short courses that help business owners become better business owners um, and and then we have a, a consulting service which is for some higher level um, you know 
people that are, are up to that that standard it really is about that and that sounds really kind of uh it can sound bad and and some people might go oh you know it's for higher level but we, we we our consulting service is for people that have got the basics down pat and are ready to start taking it to the next level and that's the the business mastery program which is kind of a combination of education as well as consulting with business coaches um, that we have on board um, as a part of our company. Um, so, um, and as I said, our goal is to just, um, first of all, to, to work with individuals with their businesses um, and just allow them to have a, a better opportunity at success in our industry as business owners. But then overall, you know, we really want to start to make and initiate some change in the industry, um, equipping people with you know the knowledge that um and and you know really systematically taking the industry to a a better standard um when it comes to running a business because as i said the industry is on its knees right now and we want to make sure that the next time we go through something like this and it will happen right that's the thing i, I said it before the the history tells us that whether it's a pandemic or whether it's a financial crisis or whatever the whatever happens i was gonna say whatever the fuck happens but whatever happens right um, you know, something like this is going to happen again. And I just want to make sure that our industry is a better place to deal with it so that we can, you know, if, if, if the standard of business owner is super high, that creates more jobs, you know, that, that creates, um, you know, a, a better standard of coach in the industry that just creates a better foundation for the industry uh, across the board. And, and, you know, one thing that I, I like to say and, and that I, the way I think of it is as a business, you know, our goal is to make the industry a better place for people um, who enter it after us, you know, when we leave, what, 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 what's our legacy and, and how can we make the industry a better, a better, a better industry for people that come after us? Cause if that's not what we're doing in business, then, you know, what, what, what really are we doing? Exactly. Exactly. And that, that passion certainly comes across. And I think people who get it are going to get it, especially those listening. And it's great to be able to have a positive contribution because like you said, there's always going to be something I always say there's a shit storm. It's never smooth sailing. You know, there'll never be, don't wait for the calm waters. It'll never come, but there are some big storms that will rock the boat and you know, they will, they will sink your ship if, if, um, if you're not cut out for it. I know it's something that I'm very, very interested in. And even the short time listening to yourself and, and what you guys do at elite vitality, I think it's great. And I'll be putting it towards the top of my educational to do list, if you like, as an investment, because I think, the, the constant need to reinvest in yourself and your business is it's paramount. It's a non-negotiable. And again, people need to realize this a little bit more that it's almost like a website. You can't just expect someone to build a website and be like, cool, done, turn it on business money, man. No, this takes, this is a living beast and it constantly takes work and change and improvement and, you know, refinement in, in all aspects. And again, credibility to a lot of the professionals who you surround yourself with, you know, that you speak with and also that are involved in the course as well. I know there's a lot of names that, that really resonate with me and some new ones as well um, that I've got to um, delve into. Before we do the links, Kyle, I've got a couple of more. They're just fun questions. They're a bit more lighthearted uh, in nature. Uh, that I ask all my guests. And the first one is, so whatever comes to mind, the, the, the old Tim Ferriss rapid fire, so to speak question. Yeah, awesome. And the first one is if you could, and I have an idea of maybe how you're going to answer this, but we'll see if you could choose a superpower, what would it be and why? Mm, that's a hard one, man. Um, you can make it up though. So anything. 
It is hard though. Teleport. There you go. Good. Done. Easy. And I can, yeah. All right. So I'll give you this one then because you're in lockdown because teleportation will come with this. If you could teleport and wake up anywhere in the world tomorrow with your partner, where would you wake up and why? Anywhere in the world. Anywhere. Uh, right now, Bali. Bali. All right. Cool. Yeah. Chill. Cocktail. Beach. But, I mean, it's not, it's not my favorite place on the planet, but at the moment in the current environment, um, I'd probably go Bali. I love the gyms there. I love the I love the way of life. It's very easy. The food's nice. Um, I can work from there pretty easily. Time difference isn't too big. It's pretty good. So I mean, there's other places that I do like more, but there's also a lot of shit going on in the world right now. So probably right now, if you can ask me, I'd probably say Bali. Chengdu. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. And my last question is, if you could post something on social media, a message. And it would get in front of everybody's eyes that had a device. So like a paid, an ultimate paid marketing campaign, right? But it was free and everyone would read it. It can be as big as a, as a, an Instagram post. All right. So you get as many words, whatever that is, like 600 characters or whatever. It's as big as it could be. It could be as short as possible. What is the message that you would put in front of everybody's eyes that could get out on social media? Um, Probably live an examined life. I think that's a foundational principle. I was going to say, you know, I would, I would probably talk a bit, a little bit about business, but I think if in a business owner is living an examined life and, and, you know, they're focusing on their internal consciousness and, and learning more about themselves, then I think that will, that that's a really good foundation that will probably allow them to become a better business owner naturally anyway, organically. So yeah, it would definitely be something to do with that. Yeah, no, that's good. And you've got to keep it short and sweet because people's attention span is, is, is low. So you'd have this nice big quote and maybe a few other points. And live, last- live, an, live an examined life would be the, the, the illustration and then it would be a bit of writing underneath, I think. That's it. I think that's a great one, especially with what we've talked about today. Yeah. And, and the last question, which I ask all my guests, Kyle, which you've invariably answered many times. So if you want to tack onto this, you can. And the question is, what is a fear that you've had in your life? What was this fear? And it can be something that just resonates with you. It might be something that you just comes to mind right now with what's been going on. What was it and what did you learn from overcoming this fear? But I know you talked a lot about that earlier and there were a lot of great points that you made. So I don't know if you want to add something else. You're quite welcome to. If not, you can leave it as it is. I'm happy either way. Um... I think the fear of not being perceived as successful, like that was always something that I struggled with early on. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the partner and the family and all this kind of stuff was like, you know, I went through a really, really rough time during that period mentally. Um, And it was all because I had a fear that I wasn't being perceived as successful when really being perceived as successful means fucking all fuck all. So it's, it's really about, you know, as long as I feel like I'm achieving my goals and my goals are authentic to me and, and that's the truth and, and I'm living out my own truth and, um, you know, overcoming that fear, that was the biggest learning curve there. And, and now I can continually find fulfillment in what I do and enjoy my life because I'm working towards the goals that I've set for myself that are, a, you know, a true representation of, of what I want to achieve and who I want to become. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's an uncompromisingly appropriate way to finish off uh, what I think has been a, a phenomenal chat. Kyle, I know I've certainly enjoyed it. There's been 
it's been better than I expected in a lot of ways in terms of getting to know you and, and sharing some of your experiences. And I, I know for people who are on the ball or perhaps need to listen to it again and are reading between the lines as well as listening to them, we'll be able to take a lot away from that. So for those people who do want to pursue that avenue and they want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about you, what you do with Elite Vitality, et cetera, and those professionals, where are the best places to follow along and find that information? Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm on Instagram um, where you can find me at Kyle uh, Trainer. Um, Elite Vitality Mastery is also our business Instagram, which we put a, a lot of educational content out and, and some, you know, really try to get some of our concepts out through that platform. I'm actually on Twitter at the moment. I think Twitter is something I'm going to really start to jump into. I think it's a great way to get um, content out. I think it's going to become quite digestible on there. So, um, head over to my Twitter. Um, I actually don't know what it is because I'm not that deep into it yet, but I'm sure if you search Kyle Trainer, it'll pop up somewhere. Um, it could be Kyle Trainer underscore EV. I think that's something I'm going to start chasing. But I mean, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, shoot me a message. Um, I'm pretty open when it comes to having conversations across um, social media platforms. Um, so that's probably where most people can find me. 100%. And of course, for everyone listening, I'll put those links in the show notes, in the description, whatever you're watching and listening and all of that jazz uh, to definitely stay in touch. And, and once again, Kyle, thank you for your time and thanks for sharing, man. Thanks for keeping it real and, and um, you know, not, uh, I guess, not sugarcoating things, you know, and just saying it as it is. I really respect and appreciate that, my man. So thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, guys, thank you for tuning in as well. As always, I'll ask for something small in return. If it's safe to do so when you're not driving, as always, make sure you leave a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify. And you know what, guys? Come on, don't be tight. Share this knowledge around. Share it on your story. It only takes a minute. You're going to be on your phones anyway. If you've learned something, you might turn your notifications off. But hey, look, share it around. Make sure you spread the word. And of course, in the meantime, until next week, stay fearless. 